0: Right. So continue praying was, was causing the whole thing. thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's. Oh, that's good. The the restrictions are not so much. Yes. Okay, let's remember the Murphy family. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's pray for that family. Anybody else? Yes. Mm Okay. Okay. Let's pray for these that are suffering in their body. I saw um, another hand, Tamara, was she? Yep? Good. Wow. Yeah, right. That well, that's great. Praise the Lord. That's good. Who else? Yes. New car for free. That's the best kind of new car. A free new car. Praise the Lord. That's all. Yes? A health for son and daughter-in-law. Anybody else? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, and we thank you for your many blessings. I pray, Lord God, that every need that was mentioned here, Lord God, for the family who's lost a loved one, who's suffering... Lord God with the loss I pray that you would comfort them and strengthen them Lord God I ask Lord God for those that are suffering in their body Lord God from this virus I pray that you would strengthen them for the pastor of Highland Terrace Lord I pray that you would that you would raise him up Lord God and strengthen his body completely restore him Lord God we ask Lord God that you would undertake in the in Dick Murphy's body Lord God that you would restore his kidney Lord God that he would the infection would be driven away Lord God I ask that you would touch him Lord we pray, Father, for every person here who has needs who didn't mention them, Lord. I pray that you would move, that you would restore, that you would strengthen, that you would bless and give wisdom and discernment, Lord God. And we ask that you would open our ears to hear, heart to receive your word, Lord God. To help us, Lord God, to be those persons who... Know who you are and do exploits, Lord. We are asking today, Lord God, for the greater measure. We ask for a greater measure of your grace, for a greater measure of your glory, Lord God. We ask for a greater measure, Lord God, of miracle power to be working effectively in our midst today. Lord God, open our hearts to receive your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would search hearts, Lord God, that you would prepare us for the word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right. Now we're going to continue talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to jump right in, and I'm going to readdress Romans 8 to lay the foundation. Now I, I'm not going to read it all, but I am going to read enough to develop my point here. Let me get my phone going. Doesn't oh, that's me. Romans 8, real quick. Um, let's start here. Let's start at 18. I consider the sufferings of the present time not worthy to be compared to the glory about to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not of its own will, but of the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage of decay and will retain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. Key in on that groaning and not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption of the redemption of our body then verse 26, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now we look at that and I always think it's interesting to note there that there are three groanings, creation groans, we ourselves groan and the spirit groans. Now, when we look at that, we, we delve in a little deeper and we find out, through looking at creation, why does creation groan, according to that scripture. Why does creation groan? Anybody see it? Cre- it groans like childbirth. That's like. Why, why does it groan? Be- growing pains? because it's been subject to futility because of the bondage of sin all I mean think about that all of creation groans because of sin the burden of sin causes creation to groan now let's just look at from a natural perspective what are some of the signs of creation groaning that you live with every day earthquakes how about COVID-19 earth groaning Bearing up under the weight of sin. Sin impacts all creation because if COVID 19 is a viral infection or viruses alive, whether well, or not the part of that creative, I don't know, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. They, when they get in their body, they have life. I think bacteria is alive all the time and viruses are not until they have a host and then they find life. I think that's how it works. But we see that all creation is groaning. Now, who else groans? We ourselves groan. How many of you had in groaning this morning? How many of you? Yeah. (laughs) See, this one's easy for y'all. I'm going to have to move my stuff. This one's easy for y'all because you know what it means to groan in your body, right? I mean, we all know that. I mean, that's an easy one. Yeah. So we've got that down pat. Then another groaning. So we got creation, we've got we ourselves are groaning, but even in the groaning of to to have this body put off, there's also the groaning there as we see that creation is groaning is to be free, to be free from bondage. The bondage of what? Sin. So creation is groaning to be free from the bondage of sin. Our body we ourselves groan to be free from the bondage of sin the Holy Spirit groans why does the Holy Spirit groan within us now when we have the Holy Spirit can you just imagine that with me that the Holy Spirit is in you right now the very Spirit of God and he's groaning what's he groaning for to have you free from the bondage of sin now of those three groans, creation, you yourself, and the Holy Spirit, which one groans unto efficacy? Which one, yeah, the Holy Spirit, which one groans unto liberation? Which one has the keys of liberation? creation can groan in futility. We can groan in futility. Only the Holy Spirit can actually groan to accomplishment. Now that's exciting to me. And so it's been as looking at this, the Holy Spirit groaning, that I have begun to look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to look at today in doing this study is my aim is to have each believer recognize and obey the Holy Spirit of God living in them to recognize and obey how many of you would say that you live daily aware of the Holy Spirit living in you isn't that exciting daily aware of the Holy Spirit living in you. I got me a shirt. One of those witness wear shirts. You know, I should have wore it this morning. Been in great time. It just says on it, holy. Just holy. And so, what was it? Yesterday, Hannah was at the house and she said, holy, huh? I wore it yesterday. Holy? I said, yeah. I said, I know it's a weird flex. You know what a weird flex is? Yeah. It's like, you know, a little flex. Weird flex. ha. <laughs> But I said, you know, if I wear a shirt that says holy, what does that have a hard time making me do? Live any other way but holy, right? So I think all of us should get a shirt that just says holy on it. Would you wear that? Yeah. And it makes you aware of the fact. He's like, no way. (laughs) I let my holiness not be of words, (laughs) but of deeds and actions. That's right. Hopefully the two line up. So as we look at this, so we want our whole life to be engulfed by the Holy Spirit and to live in a way that pleases him, not just pleases him, but the only way for us to live Pleasing the Holy Spirit is for his life to live through us. That's what the groaning is. There's nothing I can do to make myself pleasing to God. I have a groan in me that can't accomplish anything, just like creation has a groan in it that can't can't fix itself. But the Holy Spirit groans in me with accomplishment, and one day I will be brought forth into a future glory, and then the whole creation will be subjected to the new manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Now, many people say, well, that's a coming glory, and I do believe it is. A coming glory, but I believe that we live in a diminished capacity, not believing that many things are under our governmental control right now. How many of you put off being victorious till heaven? See that, but do you see that that is con- a constant problem and struggle in the church? Well, we live like hell now, and one day we'll get to go to heaven. I mean, you know, that that oftentimes we shake our head and say, no, no way. But I'm telling you, I see more evidence of that than I do of the church arising to a place of significant influence where they are manifesting the presence of God as sons and daughters. That's my observation. You have a different one? See, that's what, okay, so Holy Spirit, my prayer is Holy Spirit grown. Holy Spirit groan. Holy Spirit groan in me. Creation groans to futility. I groan to. Holy Spirit groan in me. And as we look at that, the Spirit groans with efficacy. They will know the truth, Jesus said. When the Spirit of truth comes, they will know the truth. And what will the truth do? Set them free. Another translation, where does it say somewhere else? Make them free. Now, if you're made free, you're set free. Now, this is a little tricky for me. Some people have been set free, but they've not been made free. That's it. Perfect. Thank you. You just brought me right where I need to go. Acts 12. I'll tell the story. You can read it in your own time. It's the story of Peter. After the power of Pentecost was poured out we're deep into the book of Acts now we're moving along Acts the 12th chapter James has been beheaded he has been captured by the government and the pharisaical church he was put in prison and Herod had him beheaded it gave political clout to Herod and made him align with favor with the Jewish church. Now, have you... Well, I thought that there was no separation of church and state. See how they worked together? And they accomplished something against the new Christian church. James was beheaded. It made the Jews happy. It made Herod look good. This was a great opportunity. So Herod goes, what's he going to do? He's going to go arrest another disciple. This time it happens to be Peter. And they have him in prison. And what are they going to do with Peter? They're going to behead him. Just like they did James, they are, the next morning they are going to behead Peter. We find Peter asleep in the prison held fast with a chain between two guards, and there were, I think it was four squads of soldiers that were assigned to look over him. This is a VIP prisoner, isn't it? He is important, and they do not want anything happening to this man because they are going to take his head off. Would they have beheaded Peter, yes or no? Absolutely, it was happening, wasn't it? But it says, but the church prayed. That's great, isn't it? Now, what do you think that the church prayed when they had James? I don't, personally. You know why? I think, it was, I think it was new. I think this whole arresting thing was really new. And they're like, what, they've got James? And they didn't organize a prayer meeting. But because James was beheaded the second time around when Peter was in prison, they're like... Dude, we got to pray. They're going to kill him. We already saw what they were going to do. They, James is the precedent. The precedent has been set. And they're going to kill Peter, too. So they called a prayer meeting at a house, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they touched heaven. And an angel showed up to the prison, right, in the middle of the night. Now, assumedly, the guards are sleeping. They are either sleeping or held in some sort of a trance. Now, guards are not supposed to sleep, are they? So, we're assuming that something very supernatural has taken place and they are held in some type of a trance. And so, an angel shows up and he says he pokes Peter in the side or punches him in the side. I, I kind of like that, don't you? He, wasn't, he just walked. I mean, have you ever have you woke up somebody like that? Peter wasn't worried, number one. I I don't know if the eve of my execution would allow me to sleep. I'm just I'm just that way. I'm kind of I'm kind of keyed up, you know? I'd probably be keyed up. I'd be checking every link on the chain. I'd be trying to see if I could get the chain around one of the guard's neck, you know, and strangle him to death. You know, this is I'd be I'd be hatching every plan that I could. Well, Peter's not. He's asleep with his clothes off. Well, some measure of his clothes off. His shoes, you know. You got he's he's comfortably asleep on the eve of his execution. That's pretty incredible to me. But that's not even my message here. And then the angel shows up and he hits Peter and he wakes him up. Get up, boy. Get your shoes on and get your clothes on. Well, the chains fall off. And he's like, oh, cool. And the angel's like, get your shoes on and get your clothes on. What'd they do? We're getting out of prison. It's going to be a jailbreak. That's for you children of the 70s. Anyway, so we have here that Peter is just walking out of the prison. God has got some sort of a trance over the whole place. They're just walking by guards. Peter is so confused about this, he thinks he's in the spirit, as you would too. Kind of dreamlike state. How many of you have ever been, had a spiritual experience, and you were in a dreamlike state? You didn't know if it was real or fake until, right, we heard Stacy's testimony. Much of that. Now, it's happened to me. I had two angels show up in the middle of the night, and I didn't know if I was awake or asleep. I understand that dream. You're kind of suspended between between, I'm fully alert and awake, or am I dreaming? I think the Lord does that to keep you from freaking out. I know I would I mean if I was totally awake and I saw those giant eight-foot shafts of light like they were those clothes moving the glory of God radiating around them if I'd have seen that just like you know tra-la-la-la walking down my hallway when I'm wide awake I would probably not be here today I'd still be running just <sighs> yes Yes, they can't even stand there. And so what? when I saw, when those angels came, I mean, I saw them, they were in, they were in the room staring at Mike and Lainey. Lainey was a little, was two years old. She'd just gotten into her big girl bed, which meant she wouldn't stay in her big girl bed. And so she had gotten up in the middle of the night and gotten in our, we'd slept in a full-size bed, you know, that's what we slept in. I don't know, why did we sleep in a full-size bed for so long? That's, right. <laughs> that's the story of our life, I'm telling you. We only probably when we moved here, upgraded to a king-size bed. It's just, you know, it's just what you do, right? So we we have this full-size bed, but when you add a two-year-old to a full-size bed, what we were talking about, I mean, it gets real small in a hurry, doesn't it? So a few hours into this two-year-old, you know, sticking her toes and her heels in you and just rooting and rooting and boring and boring into your back, I was like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I get up and I go into her big girl bed, which is, you know, a twin-size bed, and I'm happily asleep. Well, sometime in the, a few hours later in the night, I wake up and I set up in the bed and we had a, a shot, house, you know, that has a Jack and Jill bedroom where the one bathroom in the house, you could see through to the two bedrooms. You know the style. It's just a straight house. And so when I raised up in the bed and I looked through the bathroom, I could see the end of the bed where Mike and Laney were asleep. They were two gigantic. We had nine foot ceilings in the house. And so they were all the way up to the ceiling. So I guess they were more nine foot than eight foot. And they were standing there, sentinels. Just standing, and they were staring at Mike and Laney. Yeah, just standing there. And when I saw them, I said, "Hey, come here." And they t- as soon as I said that, they turned. Now I couldn't tell you if they were male or female. It wasn't like they had a male or female, you know, orientation. I perceived them to be males. But they didn't, I didn't see so much a face as I, they were shafts of light and they had on long flowing white robes and they were radiating like what we said Jesus has transfigured. Glory, radiating, they were radiating and it was like there was a wind about them. Their clothes were moving like a wind was blowing them. Does that make sense to you? And, but yet they were shafts of light, yet they were not illuminating the, the, the room that they were in. I was just seeing them in the realm of the spirit. And so I told them, I said, hey, come on in here. And so when they did, when they walked through the bathroom, and as soon, now, mind you, the doors are down. They're dropped lower, but these angels didn't duck. They just walked straight through. And so when they stepped out of the bathroom onto the carpet into the bedroom that I was in, and I'm setting up in the bed, as soon as they stepped in, I could see faces, but more just like the white light just sort of, Blurred features. They weren't human is what I'm trying to tell you. They had features like humans, but they were not human. And when they stood in there, as soon as I looked at them, the only thing that I can explain it as is it felt like liquid joy had been poured into my whole body. Like all, of my, like all the blood that was in me was gone. Natural blood was gone. And what had replaced it was a joy that required an action, if that makes sense. Like, I couldn't, you know, there's an old spiritual song that we used to sing in the church years ago that when the Spirit says you gotta move, you gotta move. Do y'all remember that song? When the Spirit's ready, you gotta move. I think that's what the song was. And so, when they walked in there, the only thing I could do as a response, there was no, like, thought of what would be appropriate in the presence of the angelic host, that was not what was going on. I just took the covers off, just tore them off, and I jumped out of the bed and I began to dance in the spirit all around the house spinning, dancing. I mean like 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 this joy had to have an outlet and it had to be burned off if that make, you know like it was a fuel that had to have an immediate response I could, this is not something I chose to do this is something that chose me and that that was the and I danced all around the room and when I came back into the bedroom they were gone and I just laid down and went to sleep but then I woke up the next morning as soon as my eyes popped open, it was like, uh, dong. oh, my gosh, there were two angels in the bedroom last night, and I danced, and I went and asked Mike, did you hear anything? He's like, no, and I told him the whole thing. He said, dadgummit. <laughs> he he's mad for years, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Still, <laughs> <laughs> and now, from that time, for, up until that time, I was, in a, I was a girl in a Pentecostal church. I was a Baptist girl in a Pentecostal church. put it that way. I was not a Pentecostal girl in a Pentecostal church. Yeah. And so I could maintain my Baptist composure with all you Pentecostal freaks until that night. (laughs) And the Lord taught me something about the presence of God, and he taught me something about why people ex- express themselves in ways that seem to be otherworldly, because it is otherworldly. And it was not something I chose, as I said, it chose me. So when I look at Peter and these angels showing up, and they're giving him these commands, what's amazing to me is that he just does them, but he's kind of in a dreamlike state, so I get that. But one thing that's, that keeps standing out to me in that scripture is that Peter did what he was told. It wasn't enough for his chains to fall off. It wasn't enough for him just to get up and get dressed. He had to walk out of that prison. Had, excuse me, had he not chosen to obey the command of the angel, where would Peter have been in a few short hours? Back in chains and losing his head. So, when we look at freedom, the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us is groaning unto our freedom. Because I know you because I know me. And I know that many of you, when you were born again, you came into the kingdom of God with a whole truckload of different issues from childhood forward. Many of those you still retain. Many of those you have lost. But see, the chains have fallen off. But the chains, many times in our life, we will not walk away from. And there have been places of freedom that we have known in the past. But because you did not choose to walk away from that, those chains found their way back on you. That happens over and over and over again. But the Holy Spirit is doing what? He's groaning. He's groaning unto your freedom. Yes. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. We don't even know. There are... It can't be uttered by our human lips because we don't have the understanding because they're so hidden into the dark recesses of our subconscious. Do you know that there are places in you that you're in bondage and you don't even know why you do what you do? The Holy Spirit's groaning. I heard a testimony just the other day of a person who was in our church and they had been saved for years and years and they had something happen to them that created a a very um, distressing situation in their life and they maintained that for years. And that they had coped and it was fine. And then just on one Sunday morning, they heard the Lord say, go to the altar and I'm going to free you. And they didn't even know what it was. But the Holy Spirit completely set them free from seven or eight years of this constant struggle. In a moment. Just like that. And that they have, no, they, have, they have retained a freedom that they had never known before. Now, I question you on this, is that I wonder what area of bondage are you living in that you don't even know about? That the Holy Spirit is groaning inside of you, yes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you said that because there is a place that the outflow of faith, it takes without faith it's impossible to please God. And no man should believe that he'll receive anything of God who does not have faith, right? That's James. He is a—he's He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. He should not believe that he will receive anything from God. And so when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and gives you that go now, and you don't even have the full understanding of it, but you you in that moment have the choice it's as if the angel has shown up and poked you and said do this and how many times have you sat there and went nah i'm good yes absolutely Absolutely, but that's an easier thing to live or to say than it is to live because there are areas of bondage in us that we are not even cognizant of. But guess what's happening? The Holy Spirit is groaning in you. to release you from that bondage. And so we have Peter here as this example of a person who not only had to be set free, he had to be made free because it's so obvious to us, but sometimes it's not so obvious because we don't live that. Excuse me, let's go to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. I'm going to spend a little time kind of in teaching mode today because I really want us to understand this. I feel like this is some of the most important teaching that I have ever been given from the Lord. I do, and I've been. I have so much writing on this. I feel like it's one of those areas that I have. The Lord has given me understanding that where places have been darkened in my mind for years. Like you know, when you're studying the Bible, and you you know there's something there, and it's like you close your eyes, you can almost find it, but you can't quite. You know what I'm talking about? You just you you in study, you're scratching the surface, and maybe y'all don't know at all what I'm talking about. You know, you're missing something. I mean, you have your You have the reading understanding, you have the understanding you've had for years, but there's something that you're just missing in it. And here is some of the, this is some of that for me. Galatians 5 and 1, it says, For freedom Messiah has set us free, so stand firm and do not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay. Do not be stand free. It is for freedom that Christ set us free and stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, there are two ways we find ourselves enslaved by a yoke. And I'll address that in just a second. But in this, in this verse of scripture, Paul is talking to Who? The Galatians. It's the book of Galatians. Now, the Galatians, if you know anything about this church, what were they doing? Who knows something they can tell me? What was the fundamental problem of the church? Uh, Yes. Okay. Right. Yep, I do. And so what they have done, this Galatian church, um, Judaizers had come in, And they had convinced them that in order for them to be pleasing to God, they had to return to certain facets of the law. One of those main ones that Paul addresses here is the doctrine of circumcision. He had convinced the church at Galatia that in order for them to be pleasing to God, after they believed in Christ, they believed in Christ, and then they were supposed to move into circumcision. Now, does that sound like a good deal or a bad deal? It does now, Paul. This is this for him is a big, 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 huge deal, because this is what he goes on to say. He said, "If you do this," he said, "You are you have fallen from grace." Right here, verse four: "You who are trying to be justified by the law have been cut off." See how he's using the he's using. He's using double entendre here because he's talking to people who have, who have been circumcised and he just uses that cut off from you have chosen to be circumcised. You have been cut off from Messiah. You have fallen away from grace. Now, this is huge. How many of us view living under the law after salvation as being cut off from Christ and fallen from grace. I dare say not many, because so many people do it daily, weekly, yearly, monthly, lifely. And what we find here is there's a, see, the place in my mind that has been confusing for so long, maybe I can bring it out, the Holy Spirit will help me this morning, and I can bring it out. So he says that he doesn't want them, he wants them to stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again, say burdened again, burdened again by a yoke of slavery. There are two yokes of slavery that I have found in the Bible, and this is where the Holy Spirit has cleared it up. Two yokes of slavery that you and me are subject to be burdened again with, a yoke of slavery and that is, first off, sin. I think that's the easiest one for us to get, isn't it? You can be burdened, and Romans 6 tells us that. It says that whoever you obey, you are the servants of. Romans 6 says that if we follow after sin, after grace, it goes on to say, I'll just read a little bit of it for you. It said, um, hmm, okay, 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you yielded your body parts as slaves to uncleanliness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now yield your body parts as slaves to righteousness, resulting in holiness, for when you were slaves to sin, you were free... From righteousness. So then, what outcome did you have that you are now ashamed of? The end of those things is death. Now, having been set free from sin and having become enslaved to God, you have your first fruit resulting in holiness, and the outcome is eternal life. So we can't, the bondage when we come into grace, we have been set free first off from sin. How many of you have seen a place in your life where you are set free from sin? we should we should have that identifying factor but the second place that we are subjected to the yoke of bondage is where law I will call this the two sides of a coin of apostasy now this is this is important because so many times we this is what happened to the Galatians they in an effort not to be in yoke to sin brought back up some carnal measure of pleasing God and for them it was circumcision for us it could be church attendance it could be tithing it could be any league it could be how you dress it could be it could be anything it could be how you don't dress You see what I'm saying? It could be all of these legalistic things that you have put in place. The problem with legalism and taking law in order to bring about holiness is all you do is you stir up the flesh again. Yeah, and you know, Romans 7 then comes into play. That you don't even, how many of you when you tell yourself not to do how many of you go on a diet and you're just like I told myself not to eat sweets and I just didn't do it because that's the kind of person I am (laughs) I don't think so because when you give yourself a rule what happens you instantly break it because the flesh is stirred up now What we have to understand here is that the bondage that Paul doesn't want us to be involved in is the bondage of law, of trying to take our flesh and govern it through fleshly means because all that stirs up is more sin. Now this to me, this is where it's become so clear. I for years have been in the church now and I have lived enough, not as much as some people, but I have seen enough to know that there are problems with people who love to preach holiness to others. Now, I'm not saying this is across the board. I'm not saying this is ubiquitous. I'm saying it has come about so many times in my life that it has set a precedence that I've had to stop and go, hmm, every time somebody comes to me with law. You gotta do this, and you gotta do that, and you gotta do this, and you can't wear that, and you can't say that, and you can't go there, and you can't do this, and that's how they govern their life. It's all, it's all, do and do this and don't do that, you know. And they come across as so holy. You know what? I know. That's what I thought for years. I was like, you know what? Every time I see that in a person. And I've asked them that before, and they never like this. You'd be surprised how people hate to be called on the carpet. With that extreme holiness, I'm like, what are you hiding? I've found all my life that something's hiding in there that you're not trying to get me to see. You're trying to control perversion by putting clothes on me. Putting certain clothes on me. Now, this is where people start getting really sketchy because they're like, but we want people to dress modestly. Yes, because the Holy Spirit's groaning in me, and he's making it happen, not your laws. See what I'm saying? And so we we built the dam and missed the river. We got the cart before the horse. The tail is wagging the dog. And so I look at that and I'm like, but then this is what the, finally, after years, after years, because I couldn't quite isolate it. It's when a person, carte blanche, when a person returns to law, what do they fall from? What stops working effectively in them? The power of accomplishment. What becomes re-aroused? The flesh. And what does the flesh do? What the flesh does. Yes. Yep. It does. But we don't, but we don't, not look for the efficacious work of the cross, right? We don't not look for it. We don't say, man, if you have any criteria for your life, then you're a sinner. We let the Holy Spirit produce naturally what has been in worked in us. Philippians 2, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out. Goes on to the next verse. It says, that which has been where? Worked in you if nothing's been worked in you nothing will be worked out of you yes yes absolutely that does so easily absolutely yes so what we look at is the Holy Spirit is groaning this is where the Holy Spirit is groaning He's not just trying to free you from the devil. That's not his main aim. He's trying to free you from your flesh, which is the place where the devil traffics. If the ground that produces the fruit of death has been cut off, what also has been cut off? The fruit of death. Now, I hope that makes sense to you. If the flesh is, and that's what I talked about last week, the Holy Spirit in his intercessory role as the priest, he is here to divide the sacrifice and to remove the flesh. He is here to instruct and to teach us Oh, that we could get this. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bombard our life with this. It is for freedom that he has set us free. Freedom is accomplished and finished, yet it must be fully realized and outworked in our life. That's Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Now, we have to know this, in case I didn't cover it good. Our flesh is prone to bondage, period. The law remains, and religion of flesh wants to reattach to the law. Okay, your flesh rises up. People get saved, they come into the church. I've seen this over and over again. I saw a lesbian stripper come in and get saved and delivered the first thing that people wanted to do they came to me and said Andrea don't you think we need to instruct and tell what they need to wear no why well if this is God he'll take care of that you see what I'm saying Exactly. And many times, though, we we re-enliven the flesh through religion. Religion invigorates your flesh. And flesh always brings sin and bondage. And so then you're finding yourself trying to live by law you can't live by, and so you try to make others live by law you yourself can't live by. You make yourself a hypocrite, and you're constantly feeling this cycle and cycle of death and death and more death, and you're in bondage again because the flesh is prone to bondage. The law only came to flesh, no, flush out sin in your flesh, to reveal the sin that was in you. It did not come to take care of that sin. The flesh craves law. You have to know that, the flesh craves law. Oh my Lord, in our life, I won't say that, Lord. I will tell you, there have been places we've been that crave law more than others. And places that crave law more than others are places where religion dominates. When people come to me and they all they want are policy and procedure manuals, you know what I tell them? Read the Bible and be led of the Spirit. If you can't produce a life within you that brings forth a holiness that I do not have to legislate, then I have not done my job as a word minister. If I've got to give you a policy and procedure manual how to treat others... How to prefer others better than yourselves. You'll always be breaking the rules anyway. And you'll be acting worse than before. And you only want the rules not for yourself, but to legislate and police others. For the protection of self. Ah, I want a people... I want to be a person who is so indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit that I do not live my life unto myself. I feel a great move of God on the horizon. And I know that the people who will not say, Holy Spirit, I don't understand what she's saying, but I repent of everything that is offensive to you, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to take full control. I know that those people who are not willing to put aside their flesh and who are not willing to exchange their religion for relationship are not going to fare well when the Spirit of God is poured out. Flesh is going to sink to the bottom of this wave. The Spirit of God is going to give lift and buoyancy to those people who are going to passionately pursue him in relationship and in love. This wave that's coming is going to be a tsunami of God's glory and it is going to offend many. Religion is going to be broke apart, and the persons who have moored themselves to God through the ropes of religion are going to be cast adrift because there's no life there. But the ones who have a passionate, they are passionate lovers of God, lovers of God, those who are willing to forsake Every other flirtation in their life, every other thing that they make eyes for, they that are willing to forsake that will know a power and a, an ability in the Holy Ghost that they could not imagine. But this is the time of warning, and this is the time of making oneself right before God and repenting of those things that have been substitutiary to the presence of God in your life. If you have fit God into a nice box of a Sunday morning religion, maybe sometimes when your schedule allows it, you will not be ready for what's coming on this earth. I cannot promise you a political candidate in office. I cannot promise you that your economy will remain the same. I can't promise you that your house values are going to fare well. I can't promise you that there will be food in your pantry. I can't promise you that you will have everything that you need. I do not know that, but I do know the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think according to the power that is at work in you. You will, child of God, have to yield to that power. The Holy Spirit will come and break your bondage from you, but you will have to walk out of the prison. There's a wave of his glory coming. This wave will break apart things. It will relocate things. It will reorient you to your horizon. And you are either ready for this day or you are not. God is going to move. Not for the glory of the assemblies of God, not for the glory of the church of God or the Baptists or the Methodists or the Charismatics or the Pentecostals. God is zealous for his covenant and it is for the glory of his great name that he will move, and he will not share his glory with flesh. He will not strive forever with man, but he will begin to move, and he will set aside those vessels who have been obstinate all their life. The Lord has told me, do not be as the horse or the mule who has to have the bridle between their teeth before they will obey. He said, I want to lead you with my eyes and guide you by my breath or my spirit. This is not a day for church playing. Religion will not save you. Religion will only carry you further and further into the bondage that you have tried so desperately for years to free yourself from, where rules and regulations have not fared well in your life. The church has created an entire organization, nay, a corporation, where the Spirit of God is held as the testament to that church without any efficacious power or sign. We have driven people into services like cattle, shoved them full of communion elements and told them they were good to go. We have reduced the church of God to drive in service at Burger King or McDonald's. We won't tarry for the Lord. We won't look to him for anything other than sustenance. And if he doesn't provide a PDQ, we are out of here. Any offense that comes up against us, we are unable to put it down because we are lovers of ourself beyond all other loves in our life. And if anything offends, dear blessed self, we will run to the next church where the preacher will say it better and the pew dwellers will pet you better. This is not the day of that church. If that's the church you cling to, I beg you, I beg you, get off of your seat of comfort and lay yourself prostrate before the Lord, the one who groans in intercessory form, not to make you more comfortable with yourself, but the one who wants to divest you of your pride and your flesh and wants to liberate you from the vain imaginations you call dreams and visions. The Spirit of God wants to rise up in this day, and he wants to take people who presume themselves to be something, who are nothing, and actually strip them down to the nothingness they are so that he may rebuild them into the something that he sees. God wants to do a work, and he's going to do a work with those who will allow it, but those who will disallow it, he will move beyond, and he will raise up a variable, team of unknowns who will not be ones who know all of the names and the faces of the superstars of religion, but he will raise them up in a day of power for an hour that the church has never seen. I desperately want to be among that number. And if it means that the Holy Spirit must groan to move beyond every vestige of religion that remains in me and every vestige of sin that remains in me that clings to my flesh that I so desperately cling to because I love myself, I pray, Holy Spirit, remove me of me. If we will not be that people in this day, We will not know the triumph in our lives that God wishes to perform. I wrote this the other day. This is what the Holy Spirit's groaning for. He's not groaning to make you more comfortable, give you more influence in the world's culture. He's groaning to make Christ formed in you more and more. This is what the Lord gave me. You can judge it for yourself. This is yesterday I wrote this. I felt God so strong in my time of prayer. I wrote this a flood, a flood, a flood. Such a flood of filth, lawlessness, and destruction has seized this land. The whole world has become polluted as violence sweeps through unabated. Does that sound accurate? I will answer the flood with a standard. My church must rise for the day of hopelessness will be turned to hopefulness. I will rise up a, I will raise up a great wave of deliverance, a great wave of cleansing will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Everywhere you look, my spirit will rumble through the walls and boundaries of illegal orders that have come to control my people. Every man-made structure will fall. Every bridge of religion will be swept away. My spirit will rise up against the tide of sin, filth, and lawlessness. I will be a swift force, I will move mightily. My, ze- I will move mightily. It is for my zeal, for my covenant's sake that I will move. Only anchor yourselves in promise. Set yourself upon my word. Just watch and see a great salvation wrought by my hand, saith the Lord. Only watch. He gave me this scripture, Isaiah fifty-nine and nineteen. For he will come like a pent Up flood, the breath or the spirit of the Lord drives along. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Joel 2 29. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within him. John 7 38. The spirit of God spoke to me and said, This wave that will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west will come from the bellies of his believers, whom he has poured out his spirit upon. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Anywhere you see sea, you see nations. God is not just going to move in America. God is going to move across the world. And this revival is going to be a tsunami of grace, glory, and holiness a smashing wave the lord said to me a cleansing wave and a relocation wave like waters from rocks god makes possible what is impossible now this is not dependent upon a political candidate this is because of who God is. This is not because he wants us to be comfortable, and I'm closing, and made convenient. The one thing that stuck out to me when I wrote that, and shook me, it is for the zeal, and the honor and glory of his covenant, for his great names, sake and I say Lord let it come Lord raise up a mighty wave of your spirit at the beginning of the year Hannah my middle daughter came to me used many times in the gift of the gifts of the spirit especially in the area of wisdom and knowledge she came to me she said before COVID before anything she had a dream she said "Um, I had a dream that was standing on the shore and the ocean was black black with death and she said I stood there and I could tell everything was dead there's so much death she said as I looked into the horizon I saw something white forming And she said it was I knew it was a wave and she said this wave came it gained intensity and it grew and it was a gigantic wave and she said it began getting closer and closer and she said then it just swelled over and hit and crashed into the shore and when the wave receded I looked back at the sea and it was healed and it was the pollution was gone the filth was gone And I've thought about that many times as we see COVID begin to this past year. And I've said, Lord, what about that wave? And I know it's not by happenstance that everyone was saying there's going to be a red wave, and the other side was saying there's going to be a blue wave. I believe God's saying there's going to be a Holy Ghost wave. if you know anything about giant tsunamis you know that you better be prepared for that sucker because it won't feel like you thought it was going to feel it won't do you like you thought it was going to do you and you won't be quite as knowledgeable as you thought you were going to be I say Holy Spirit groan groan until everything within me is reconciled unto you grown until all the flesh is so tamped down that not only the bondage of sin can grow there, but the bondage of religion as well. We're dismissed.